0: Hello and welcome to the real heroes of e-commerce. I'm your host, Jason, and this is the next episode in our holiday series, Jingle All the Way. Today, we are talking about email marketing with Melanie Balky. She is the founder of The Email Marketers, where she helps brands undertake the full gamut of email and SMS marketing. She has a lot to say about building brand affinity, as well as some pitfalls that every brand wants to avoid. You can find more on this topic and others at heroes of e-commerce.substack.com. And while you're over there, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on what's coming up next. Okay, let's get to it. Okay, Melanie, it's nice to meet you.
1: Nice to meet you too, Jason.
0: So let's start with you and just tell us how you got into email, like why you chose that route to go in marketing.
1: Oh, great question. Somewhat a coincidence, to be honest. So my background is, um, fun fact, I like to start with, born and raised in Germany and worked in very traditional marketing consulting. So for big conglomerate companies and automotive, telecommunication, healthcare, a lot of brands that you would know, which was really fun, but very hard to actually drive impact in a company that large, right? It takes very long. Stumbled into a startup project, which was an app funded by Silicon Valley, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and really kind of fell in love with the fast pace of both the startup world and the digital world and said, okay, I want to go this route. Did a couple of different projects here and there, and then eventually moved to the US and joined. We always say, if not the first, one of the first e-com made-to-order furniture businesses. Okay. And so this was, you know, back when Wayfair wasn't as big as it is now. And COVID hadn't made people feel as comfortable spending $2,000, $3,000 online yet. Um, So it was a bigger challenge. And, you know, like a typical consultant, I came in, I was their first marketing hire. And I said, here's a whole 100-page presentation on what we need to do. And email was a big part of that. Um, They had, obviously, a very high average order value. Mm-hmm. And they were really missing out on using email to, you know, sell someone who bought a couch, a coffee table or a credenza or something else.
0: Why do you think someone of that size and and that kind of fast-paced mentality of e-commerce is, was missing out on something like that important of a piece?
1: I think because the, the focus was really on growth, growth, growth
0: mm-hmm.
1: with new customer acquisition, without thinking about, hey, like 40% of your growth could easily come from existing customers. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, you know, back then, now I think people are much more aware, right? Now people are conscious because iOS 14 has made advertising on Facebook a lot more difficult. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So people can't just survive off of a top of funnel approach anymore. People now need to think about how do I make my cost per acquisition affordable by getting people to purchase two or three times or or increase their average order value. So now people are much more conscious about that. But I think back then it just, you know, they were cool with growing just via new customers that worked for them. Now I don't think it would work anymore.
0: Right. Okay. That that was in the early days when everything was a little bit cheaper on (laughs) those social ads.
1: Everything was a little bit cheaper. Um, Everything was a lot less competitive, you know, And that's kind of how I really fell in love with email because I was able to see, hey, you can make so much money with so little input, really. Um, And I think all the data supports it, right?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Acquiring an existing customer is nine times cheaper than getting a new one um, and stuff like that. So really fell in love with email. But after I left them, actually, they were acquired by a competitor. And I kind of felt like it was time to leave the company. I um, went and I joined an agency again. And they're Mm -hmm. in a very generalist role at first, but then quickly slid into email. And after I left them, originally my whole thing was like, I'm never building an agency, never doing that. I'm just Mm going to freelance for a little bit and go on vacation. Well, first I said, I'm going to go on vacation. I have burnout. I'm going to recover. And then a couple of people wanted to work with me freelance. And I said, sure, I'll do that. Um, And I'll do that predominantly with email. And when I decided to build the email marketers, it was one, because there was a lot of demand for email. Mm-hmm. So Facebook had already gotten more competitive. All the top of funnel got more competitive. People realized they need email to really build a holistic marketing channel. And two, it was a really good service to fulfill as an agency, right? I think there are some services that are harder to fulfill and some services that you can fulfill at a really high excellence from, as an agency. And email was one of those so, those. so that's kind of how I ended up in email.
0: Very cool. It's kind of a roundabout way, but interesting. Yeah, totally. So now in 2022, we kind of gone through all that, you know, that period of time where people didn't want to spend a whole lot on online, especially, you know, $2,000 price points. What are you seeing with prospects now who are like trying to come at this? Are they experienced in it always? Or I mean, are they experiencing it already? or are they coming at it fresh or what's the general landscape of e-commerce brands getting into it?
1: So for our clients that come to work with us, there's really two options. Um, And in fact, there's three options, depending on the size of the business. We do still have some people that come and they say, listen, Hey, for us, other stuff's been working so well. We haven't really touched email that much, but we know it's a huge opportunity. Mm -hmm. So that does exist. Um, mostly those are people who either have like crushed it in one channel. Like they figured out one thing, like, let's say they've had a strong SEO position for years and they, they don't really need to think about it more or they're in retail stores as well. So a lot of revenue comes from retail. Um, so that's usually the one who says, Hey, we know email is a huge opportunity. We just haven't done anything with it yet. The majority of people that we see though fall into category two or Mm 3 which are, Hey, we have our basics set up. We just need to take it to, you know, the max. And three is like, Hey, we know what we need to do. We have the basics set up. We even have some more advanced stuff set up, but we really need someone to take over this entire channel for us because we can't do all these things in house. So I would say, you know, in terms of knowledge, people know about email. Now people know it's not dead. It's more relevant now than ever, you know? And I think, again, iOS 15 and just the struggle top of funnel has made people a lot more conscious about the need of it.
0: Mm -hmm. So when, when these kind of people who are, they have the basic set up and they're trying to take it to the max, what are their biggest hurdles that they're trying to overcome? Is it manpower or is it like ideas?
1: Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Number one, it's manpower, of course, because, you know, to create a good email, you need a lot of people. You need a good copywriter, you need a good designer, you need a technical specialist who can implement those emails in your email service provider, and then you need one person who's the creative and strategic brain behind everything, right? They're both the analytical person but also the creative person developing the content calendars and all that. You could get that in one person, but usually that's very, very rare. If someone has three of those, they might be not great at design. If someone has... They're good at the creative stuff. They might not be good at the strategic stuff. So it's really hard to hire this position as one person. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And when you hire multiple people, and now your costs go up really, really fast. So that's why people opt to work with us because you're getting four people in one, really. Um. So one manpower. Two. Even if they have the people in house, like they have the graphic designer or they have the copywriter, they're usually not specialized in doing these things for email. So. They're lacking kind of the specialty skill, and then they don't have a person who has bandwidth or time or power or creative energy to actually think about the email channel at the depth that we do. So we really go deep. We go flow by flow, email by email. Um, And, you know, we do this every day. We see hundreds hundreds of accounts. So, you know, to, to have someone who just does one brand the knowledge depth and width is a lot different than us doing 100 different brands and and sourcing from that knowledge. So yes, manpower, but I think more so than manpower, what people really love when they work with us is like expertise and skill, because we're not just like doing what benchmarks are, we're looking to build benchmarks, because all, all we do every day is email, we're looking to break them and build them and innovate in the space, which I think is hard to ask of someone who is in-house for you and doing five to six other things at the same time
0: right when you're spread that thin it's really hard to get that creative juice flowing yeah so right now we are in q4 and a lot of people are trying to figure out how they should approach their like black friday sort of thing their black friday you know onto christmas Um, and a lot of people want to do more but they kind of are worried about doing too much they still there's still this mentality of I don't want to annoy my customers. I don't want to send too much because then they'll just get fatigued and then they'll unsubscribe. Um, But then on the other side, I hear a lot of professionals in the industry who are like, you're not going to annoy anyone because, you know, they see this so much from other companies that you have to do it to stand out. Where do you kind of fall into that?
1: Yeah, probably somewhere in between. So You know, I always think it's so funny how as marketers, sometimes we turn into Jekyll and Hyde, right? We turn into this, like, we hate spam, but we're completely cool spamming other people, right? Like, we know it doesn't elicit any positive emotions in us as customers, but when we do it to our customers, we're like, yeah, look, it works. (laughs) And I think part of the reason people think it works with email is because, yes, if you send an email and you have a touch point that generates conversions, but it can be very short-lived. So we love to think about email holistically, right? It's not just a revenue generating channel. It's a community and relationship building channel. And the best channel you have to do that with your customers. It's the one that creates a long customer, high customer lifetime value, brand affinity, brand relationship. This is a channel that can help you create a customer base to carry you through a recession. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: At the same time, I do think Black Friday, Cyber Monday is a little bit of a different game. Okay. We know customers now haven't been purchasing because if they need something, they go, oh, I'm going to wait for Black Friday deals. So people are hungry. They are expecting Black Friday deals and they want Black Friday deals. But quite frankly, the frenzy alone, it's kind of like when you see sharks go crazy because there's blood in the water and they get into a feeding frenzy. It's my favorite metaphor because I feel like Black Friday, Cyber Monday, consumers do the same thing. They're in a purchasing frenzy. They want to purchase because in their head, Black Friday, Cyber Monday is when you get the best deals of the year, whether that's true or not, and so they're ready to go and purchase. So yes, I do think you should be upping your frequency. Yes, I do think you should be bringing your most aggressive deals out. And at the same time, yes, I do think you should do something else than everyone else. So why not? you... Well, because it depends on your brand, right? I do love, for example, what REI or Everlane do, where Everlane says, hey, we're not going to give you discounts, but we're going to donate all the revenue that you purchase. Or REI says, hey, we're not doing Black Friday. We're actually closing our stores and we're all going out into nature. I Mm. love that, right? That fits with their brand and their ethos and their mission. And it's different than what everyone else does. So I say, hey, if you want to do that and it fits with your brand, do it, stand out, be different. Um, If you want to do standard discounts, do it. But, you know, also make sure they're good, make sure they're tasty and yummy. No one's going to bite for a 10% discount for Black Friday. Right. Right. You got to stand out. Um, And do increase your frequency. I do think you should do that. Um, So I think for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, I'm probably leaning more towards like, hey, you know, send a couple more emails. Um, Mm -hmm. And we like to, you know, Part of the reason, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going on a whole tangent here, but part of the reason I suggest that is because they're going to have other emails in their inbox. If you're sending one email, the likelihood of that email just simply getting lost is very, very high. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing, too, is it's about the purchase timing, right? If I have five things I know I want to buy and I'm starting my Black Friday looking for those brands specifically, that's where my money is going on Friday, But on Monday, after the main frenzy is over, if you're sending me another email and you're saying, hey, we've extended our sale for Cyber Monday, get 20% off, I might be like, okay, you know what, now I'm ready to do that. I've already covered my basic needs. So leaning more towards definitely go a little bit bigger for Black Friday, Cyber Monday.
0: Um, A few minutes ago, you mentioned, you know, email as a whole is a better channel to build that brand affinity and that relationship and community. Um, and so let's just kind of push Black Friday off for a second and talk about that. Like, how do you do it and what are people looking for?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. I mean, what I tell my team is always ask, is this email I'm sending adding value in my reader's life, right? A sale can add value, of course, right? Hey, we're we're sending a sale. Um, but beyond that, like, are we doing stuff with our emails that would make people want to stay subscribed and open our emails? Beyond just sending sales, right? Again, doesn't work with every brand. There are brands out there like Walmart. They survive based on pricing and and just their sales and stuff like this. But I would say for the average brand that I see comes and works with us, they're trying to build something that doesn't compete on sales and, and just product. They're trying to build something that competes on their brand.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: And so- does our email program fit into that? Are we adding value into people's lives? And, you know, I have a good good example. It's actually an SMS example, but there's a brand called We're Not Really Strangers. Their whole thing is, um, it's a card game to build intimacy with your partner or your family or friends where you just ask each other questions. And they will send SMS where like, you'll get an SMS like 8 p.m. And it's like, hey, just want to let you know I'm proud of you today you're like, who sent me the text message? You're like, this is so sweet, but like, who was this? And you're like, oh my God, it was them. Or they'll send you like, you know, questions like, who are you missing tonight? Do you think they're missing you too? And you're like, oh my God, these people threw me into deep thought at 3 p.m. on a Tuesday, you know? And then in between, they'll send sales emails, sales texts, right? Mm-hmm. But they're my favorite example because I love receiving their text messages and I was stoked. When they sent me a sale text, I was like, that's cool. Send me a sale text whenever you guys want. You guys send me so much good content otherwise. And they're a great example because their SMS list grew so fast that they couldn't afford to text people for free anymore. And it became a whole other service. So for like a couple of dollars a month, you can subscribe to their text messages and you get their texts. And now it's a whole new product and revenue stream for them.
0: that's cool.
1: Yeah, I love adding that because I'm like, dude, look, building a community and adding value to people's lives, not only creates it a strong brand relationship and people who want to receive your emails or texts, but it can create a whole new revenue stream if you do it right.
0: That's interesting. I signed up for one SMS in my life. And since I signed up maybe six weeks ago, I was just testing it out because I'm not really digging an SMS, but I decided to test it out. And every two or three days I get a sales text and I have consistently for six weeks and obviously I'm not ready to buy or I would have done it you know probably four or five weeks ago um, but that's interesting to see how someone's using the content from what they actually sell into you know the content of their message
1: you know and what you're saying is part of the reason when we have clients and we say hey you should be doing sms they go no way no mm-hmm. way no. We're not doing SMS. I hate receiving SMS. I can't imagine anyone would like receiving SMS because the SMS they receive are like the ones you received. And, you know, my favorite example is Ease, massive company, right? Now, if you Google Ease SMS, first of all, they bought a bunch of SMS lists and there's a huge class action lawsuit against them now. So everything (laughs) you'll see is about the class action lawsuit and people complaining on Twitter and whatnot. If you Google, we're not really strangers SMS, you see people tweeting about the texts and how good they are.
0: Oh, that's cool. So right. it actually goes into their social media.
1: Exactly. It creates a whole other viral effect. Um, Ease, I subscribe to their texts and I was like really frustrated because every Friday, pretty much the same time, they would send me the same offer. Hey, come get 20 percent, $20 off or something like that. And listen, their copywriters are good. They're funny. They make funny puns, right? Funny cannabis puns. That's the space they're in. But I'm just sitting there going like, wow, what a missed opportunity. You've Mm -hmm. sent me this five times. Clearly, it hasn't worked. I'm not ready to buy. The discount's not working for me. And you're in such a fun space. You're in the cannabis space. That's probably arguably the space you can have the most fun with, right? <laughs> Maybe the alcohol, cannabis space, or whatever. I'm like, send me an email, send me a text Friday night with my, I don't know, stoner select movie,
0: mm-hmm. right? Oh, stoner that'd be good.
1: <laughs> the weekend, right? Here, go watch Cheech and Chong. Um, or send me a Sunday hangover recovery brownie recipe, or just add some type of value in my life. So, that instead of just being Ease, the cannabis delivery company that I have no emotional connection to, which is why I'm not going to order for even $20 off, you become Ease, my friend and buddy that sends me really cool stuff that I'm now emotionally connected to. When I think of Ease, I think about the funny texts they send me or the great brownie recipe they sent me. And now I actually want to go and order from them, even if it's more expensive, because I want to be an Ease customer, because I identify with what ease stands for.
0: Okay. Um. so taking that idea from SMS into email, because um, a lot of companies, you know, they're selling more, let's just say boring products because um, games and, and cannabis, you know, those are always fun. But totally. if you're selling something like home goods or, you know, a sports equipment, um, furniture, uh, how do you not bore people with those open series and those kind of retention sort of emails where I I get some from this one company and every time I I know it's not the CEO who writes but every time it's like hi I'm so and so from this company and I want to tell you and gives a little bit of content about this um, it's a sports thing and it just feels so authentic inauthentic and I don't even read them. I see the title and it's like, oh, that's from that guy. Yeah. moving on. So how can people go into that and not bore?
1: Such a great question. I think you said the first thing, like, is it authentic? Um, Being authentic is really important and that looks different for every brand, right? A high-end brand, like if you look at the emails of the Louis Vuittons and Gucci's of the world, the authenticity for them comes from being like kind of elusive. Like, so their emails are all very editorial, very little no. text, whatever. That's cool. That fits their brand, right? That's authentic for them. Um, for sports good, right? What kind of content could add value to my customer's life? Let's say it's sports training equipment for golf. Mm-hmm. Then it doesn't just have to be sale, 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 come get this equipment. It can be Here's your pain points. I know exactly what your pain points are. Here's how you can work on them. And here's how you can work on them with our equipment. It can be, here's what's going on in the golf world. This and this and this. It can be, here's the five best courses in the United States, right? It can be a lot of content that all it takes is for your email person to just think a little bit bigger and go and Google that and put it in your words and put it into an email. Um, It can be, it can be funny. Five Mm -hmm. ways to get out of thanksgiving dinner to go play golf you know (laughs) five great excuses for your wife to let you go play golf this sunday um it can be funny too if it's home goods a lot of what we did was also just style inspiration like Mm -hmm. think about pinterest if you go on people the way they use pinterest for home stuff is they just want to see cool pictures and photos of how have other people done it so what we did is like here's how other people have done it here's style inspiration here's you know, if we if we showed a product, we'd show it in different scenarios. So people could go, oh, this is so cool. I can style it this way. Hmm, do I want to buy this product? Yes, no. Or do I want to do it with my couch tish? So couch table. Um, so yeah, I think there's, there's a plethora of different ways to make even boring things non-boring.
0: That's pretty cool. So how do you strike that balance between like, Say, I'm, I'm running an email marketing program right now, and, and right now my entire strategy is just sending those basic discounts over and over again, you know, or once a week or something. How could I shift that and balance it out?
1: You know, it's so hard to come away from the discount strategy because yeah. you're going to see a dip in sales you have to retrain your customer. Now you've trained your customer to expect sales and only buy from you when you're giving a discount, the period in which you're retraining them is going to be painful. Um, Abercrombie and Fitch went through this and I know because I used to be, you know, a customer when I was a teenager. And for some reason I never (laughs) got out of that phase. So I really vividly. For a good reason. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they make good clothes. Listen, you know, um, But I really got to vividly experience their phase where they were struggling with their brand image because, you know, the CEO said a bunch of dumb stuff and people were tired of the company philosophy. And so, yeah, they really combated that trying to do big, big, big discounts, right? Mm -hmm. And then I saw where they kind of shifted their strategy which now Abercrombie is becoming more popular again in my age group. I see people saying, oh yeah, I'm gonna go, Abercrombie actually has great products. And it's funny for me to notice that now From going like, oh, no one wears Abercrombie to now people wear it. But now I see how long it's taken them to kind of wean off of that discount strategy. It was two, three years. It took them a really long time. And for a while I was like, oh, I'm not going to buy unless it's 40% off. So the reason I'm saying this is because I want to make clear it's painful to come back from a discount strategy and you have to do it slowly. So the way I would do it is start slowly. Um, You know, if you're sending a sale once a week, Go and start doing it every 10 days and then mm-hmm. do it every other week and then do it every three weeks, make your sales gradually smaller and then make the sales big only for the big sale days like Memorial Day or Black Friday and then just slowly wean people off of it. It's kind of like you have to take people off of a sale addiction. Um, yeah. So start slowly.
0: I, I was actually writing about the addiction that we have we have given our customers the addiction to. Um, free returns, free shipping, um, sales all the time. And just that retraining people is, it's kind of at the point we are at an e-commerce, you know, we've gone through these periods of just speed, convenience, ease, um, get everybody in as fast as you can blew up during the pandemic. And now all of a sudden it's like, Oh, that, that trip is kind of over, <laughs> you know, it's getting really hard for the cost per acquisition. And so, you know, as the expenses keep rising, there's got to be more ways that we can retrain them so we're not, you know, eating our profits all the time.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the retraining part is painful, which is why so many people don't do it, right? Because you are going to see a dip in results. So preparing yourself for that mentally, I think, is also really important. But if you're trying to build a strong brand long term, if you're thinking long term, I think that's the way to go.
0: Mm Mm-hmm cool yeah. um so final thought what is on your Christmas list this year
1: oh such a good question um I just bought myself a brand new snowboard so I think that should be on my Christmas list <laughs> <I just laughs>
0: well, you get some out. lift tickets
1: yeah I am my so I'm a skier my boyfriend's a big snowboarder and he's like Melanie you surf and you skate you got a snowboard and I said I give you one season and so I got the full setup. Um, so that was my gift from me to myself, I guess. What else is on my Christmas list? Um, good question. You know, I should have thought about that. Maybe a new <laughs> wetsuit, maybe a new wetsuit. Yeah.
0: Very cool. Well, um, where can people get in touch with you if they want to ask you some questions about email?
1: Yeah, um, www.theemailmarketers.com is a good place. Uh, you can find me on Twitter under mbalkey4. Apparently there were four other mbalkeys before me. <laughs> um, those are good places. LinkedIn, Melanie Balky. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn as well. All good places, but you can book a free strategy session on our website. If you're interested in just having us look at your account and give you some tips specific to you. So that's always a good place to start.
0: Very cool. Thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, what Jason, what's on your Christmas list?
0: Oh, my Christmas list. Um, I want a new bicycle. Oh, yeah. Like I I have a good one, but it's a mountain bike and I want a road bike.
1: E-bike would be pretty cool too. I might put that one on my Christmas list too.
0: Yeah, those are pretty cool too.
1: Yeah. Cool. Well, I hope you get it.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. We'll we'll keep in touch.
1: Thank you, Jason.
0: All right. Thanks again to Melanie for being on the show. You can find the show notes for this at heroes of e as well as other articles and episodes to help you in your e commerce marketing. Okay. See you next time.